Welcome, everybody, to All About Windows Phone podcast. Uh, Insight number 102. Uh, reports of our demise have been greatly exaggerated, Rafe. They have indeed. Uh, I've just been away on holiday for a little while and so wasn't able to quite keep to the weekly schedule. But we're back now and we've got lots and lots of news to get through. There's been a lot going on. I don't think we'll get through it all in this episode, so we'll be discussing some of it next time round as well. Yeah, yeah. But we should ask before anyone asks us, um, there is a, lo- a review Lumia 930 in the pipeline for us, but we haven't got it yet. But I'm expecting by the time we do the next podcast, hopefully we'll have had hands-on with a retail unit. Yes, that's right. Uh, there is a... Lumia 930 arriving in UK shops in the next week and we expect to get a, a review sample fairly soon. You'll start to see some of the reviews appear probably from the US media as well. And, you know, there's various pre-orders going on. As we mentioned in a, in an earlier podcast, the Lumia 930 in the UK has a pretty nice, uh, pre-order bundle that's going to be available while stock lasts at least, uh, during July, I believe. Um, and, then there's going to be a bundle that's available kind of longer term. The first one of those, or I should say the second one of those, is going to be the inclusion of a a wireless charging plate. So that's great news for those who don't have that accessory and want to get into that, because, of course, it's built into the Lumia Night. You can never have too many wireless charging plates, Rafe. One extra for for the bedroom or office, I think. Which is why the sort of the pre-order bundle is even better, because you actually get two wireless charging plates (laughs) with it. You also get a, a Bluetooth speaker and an apps voucher as well, all together adding up to uh, but depending on how you price these things between 150 and 200 pounds worth of value so uh, a pretty nice offer there given that the handset itself is you know going to come in around the 450 500 pound mark depending on where you buy it from but of course that's available if you're buying on a contract as well which i think it's fair to say most people will be some of the people listening to this podcast are going to be the types that they go out and buy a, a sim free and in order to get this you do need to be making sure you're buying kind of the uk variant i think this bundle will be pretty well advertised by the various retailers so it might well be worth checking uh, that you are getting it if you do plan to buy a lumia 930 in the uk but there's going to be a lot to talk about of course with that handset it's kind of the second of the high end you know, of the new generation of Windows Phone devices, the Lumia 1520 kind of being the first with that Snapdragon 800 processor. But of course, the 930 is the first to ship with Windows Phone 8.1 out of the box and obviously Lumia Sign as well. We've had the kind of a taste of that with the 630 and the 635, but the, the 930 kind of, I think, takes advantage of more of the new features and certainly on the camera side of things with living images the 930 is going to be better positioned to to take advantage of those so i'm really looking forward to seeing and using uh, a 930 i know steve's going to be doing a whole bunch of looking at the camera as well we're expecting updates for that i mean it's the same module that's in the 1520 but we expect sort of windows phone 8.1 and lumia Sign to kind of tune that quite a bit and so it'll be well worth rerunning some of the comparisons we've done. And I think uh, always it's the case there's a bit of a difference between uh, hardware or between devices, even when the camera module is absolutely identical. There's software tweaks going on all the time and you know slight variations in the way things are put together. So, uh, Steve, I mean, are you looking forward to getting your hands on the 930 and giving it a go? Yes, if only because it's a different form factor in terms of size, something we haven't seen from Nokia before in the Windows phone line. We've, you know, we've had this 4.5 inch to 6 inch jump and all of a sudden suddenly we've got something now with the high end chipsets in the middle. And let's be honest, the 1520 camera is pretty, pretty good now with the latest updates. I think I wrote about that today on a story on the site. Um, and 
maybe the 930 has got exactly the same camera, but as we saw with the 925 and the 920, sometimes the, the quote exactly the same camera, as you, as you just said, can produce dramatically different results. And a lot depends on the exact firmware and the exact processing algorithms being used. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I guess I, I want to be ahead in the queue ahead of you. <laughs> Uh, yes, well, I think we can probably manage that this time round. So look for our first sort of Lumia 930 content, if not in the next week, certainly in the next fortnight. And we look forward to bringing that to you. And of course, we'll be talking all about it on the uh, podcast. And I think particularly we're looking forward to hearing from Steve whether green or orange is the in colour this year. Oh, dear. I don't like, like either, if I'm honest, but there we go. Um, talking of the Lumia 630, that has had a firmware update, um, and but don't get too excited. It's exactly the same build number of Windows Phone 8.1 uh, as the latest developer preview for those of you who've been following this on your older Windows Phone hardware. So basically, they've decided that developer preview build is now stable enough and bug-free enough they can roll it out to other devices. And I'm fully expecting the 930 and also the uh, Lumia Cyan uh, update that's going to roll out in the next uh, few days and weeks to the 1020 and the 1520 to be the, the same um, base OS build number, Rafe. Yes, I think that's probably uh, a good bet. It's also what you're getting on the Lumia 635, which I guess is worth a, a quick mention here. This is kind of the 4G version of the Lumia 630. The handsets are otherwise identical, but kind of interest to us because it uh, became available in the uk in the gap between this podcast and the last one uh, in terms of the you know what you pay to get 4g it's about 20 pounds extra which probably tells you something about the costs of you know putting 4g in it's not really well there is obviously a hardware cost because you need some extra aerials and some extra chipsets in order to do 4g but of course it's also around some of the licensing you have to do for patents for for 4g and uh as has always been the case, the 4G handsets are just a, a little more expensive than the ones that are, are 3G only. But there is very little to choose between them. Uh, if you're on a 4G contract, obviously your preference will be for the Lumia 635. But I suppose that may also depend on uh, you know, where you are in the country, whether you've got a decent 4G signal. Uh, in all of this, of course, most people won't get a choice because the UK networks, because that most of them are now 4G enabled, are pushing the 635 rather than the 630. O2 kind of being a bit of an exception to that, but I've seen a similar pattern repeated elsewhere in the world. But, uh, it, you know, as we said in earlier podcasts, both of those devices are very competitively priced for low-end Windows Phone, effectively the new 520, and we had a bit of discussion around whether it should maybe be called the 530. Probably something still to come to, to fill that particular gap, but I've had a a chance to use a, a 630 briefly and you know yes it's an impressive device perhaps not one for people looking for a high-end device but i know several uh, non-mobile uh, interested friends who you know, were looking for a new device picked up one of these and have become away very happy indeed yeah yeah um we'd mentioned lumia cyan being imminent um i i did notice that on one of the leaked or rumor stories off the uh, the world wide web a few weeks ago there was this kind of leaked roadmap with the weak numbers across the top and then the the planned lumia cyan rollout in kind of a, a bar form underneath now these things it was a it was a leak and b it's only a plan so re we really can't hold nokia or microsoft to this but the 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 plan was clearly to have it rolling out i guess a week or so ago things have presumably slipped slightly but i'm still expecting lumia cyan to hit uh, certainly in the next 7 14 days does that sound realistic you can never tell with these things but yes that sounds like a, a reasonable assumption certainly based on the leaks we've seen and what was said right back at the launch of windows phone 8.1 the kind of a timing of july was always going to be quite likely on the cards 
my betting would be that it's more towards the end of the month. But we may well see some of the devices, you know, perhaps something like the 1520, get this a, a little bit earlier. And certainly a device like the Lumia Icon over in the, the US, I suspect that's going to be a device that will get Scion earlier on. But uh, yeah, probably fair to say it's imminent, which in uh, Rafe translation, yeah, ne- next uh, two or three weeks, uh, I suspect I'm now going to be confounded by <laughs> what actually happens. Uh, but it's probably fair to say some of the existing devices, particularly things uh, that maybe haven't sold quite as well as expected, like the Lumia 720, for example, will be lower down the priority list. So it'll be- take a bit longer to come to them. And this is, of course, as always, dependent on operator certification and signing. And we know historically some operators have been laggards when it comes to getting software updates onto devices. But certainly a lot of the SIM-free devices, you know, they'll get them generally a little bit earlier. And, but, you know, even that's not always true because in some countries they have to get the, all the operators to sign off before they can <laughs> release the SIM-free version. And so it's this kind mm. of slightly continuing nightmare, which it's you know, probably only too fair to blame Microsoft for. But in some ways, it's actually a victim of the way that the industry is made up. And it actually applies just as much to others. We see a similar pattern in the Android world. Apple always gets more credit than it really deserves for being able to release updates all in one go. And the reason it's able to do that is it actually waits for all the operators to sign off. And to be fair, Apple's just got a a handful of devices that they need to get approved, whereas uh, a company like uh, Microsoft or indeed any of the other manufacturers will have many variants of the, the same product. Uh, plus, of course, a whole product line. And so when it comes into the operator testing lab, I suspect the Apple devices, both because there's more, they're more popular and there's fewer of them, get slightly higher priority. Um, I'm not sure there's any easy way around that. We've just seen Android kind of uh, get the idea of Android One device with Google-controlled software updates in, a, in an attempt to address some of the, the pain in that part of the ecosystem. Microsoft kind of already do something similar. They They handle a lot of the updates and... Um, that some hardware partners opt to add stuff on top, as Nokia does with uh, Lumia Cyan. But I suspect most uh, Windows phone devices going forward will be controlled centrally uh, by Microsoft. So it, it, it's the familiar story there, and it's sort of a bit frustrating to be vague about it, but that's really the best message we can, the best information we give. And as soon as yeah. we hear anything official, we'll let people know about it via the site. And of course, if people are really enthusiastic about Windows Phone, as indeed most of the people listening to this podcast will be, they'll be on the developer preview anyway. And I think that's a really excellent way for people who are enthusiastic to be playing with the latest build and latest version, the latest functions and features. I saw a leak today, Rafe, about, uh, well, not a leak, kind of a story about Windows Phone 8.1 update one for Windows Phone. And that's only a few weeks away from the first versions of that starting to be tested by the developer community. So who knows, by the time Lumia Sign officially hits, it just might just be a bit couple of weeks away from people who are enthusiastic uh, uploading the developer preview of the next version and then we go on from there indeed that's always the way with these updates especially as you know all the kind of the software makers are trying to push these things close together because they want to deliver features as as quickly as possible and certainly that was the case the last time around when microsoft did an update the sort of developer preview of the next version was available before everyone had got the the last version of the update, which I think probably leads to frustration all round. And you know, update one isn't expected to be massive, but there's going to be a few uh, features filled and a few bugs fixed. Um, yeah. There's no official information on that, so it's probably not worth going into too much detail on that just yet. 
Yeah. Well, there were a few interesting tidbits that leaked for that, but I'm not going to do here because that will de- derail the podcast completely. And maybe we'll save that for next week. I'll let you know off air. Um, talking of frustration, um, Lumia 1020 owners are rather frustrated because it's been announced um, kind of informally, but by a reliable source who actually works and part of the uh, the software team at Nokia Stroke Microsoft that Living Images is not coming to the 1020 because of, quote, stability issues, which I'm assuming is to do with the chipsets that they, although Living Images is kind of works in 1020 it's not reliable it's not a seamless experience especially when combined with nokia storyteller and they've they probably just said to themselves look 1020 owners want the best photos the best quality they don't really want the gimmicks so let's just miss this off and save ourselves a lot of headache yeah i, I think that's probably a, a fair comment i i doubt it's to do with the chipsets uh directly because of course the 1020 is running on kind of a standard uh you know processor and all of that but of course it is a very special camera module with that 41 megapixels and the oversampling and i suspect it was a case if they couldn't quite tune uh, the performance enough to make it you know performance so that people didn't start noticing it sort of slowing down and the 1020 has already got a reputation of being a <laughs> bit slow you know shot to shot time and various other performance issues and of course capturing additional data every time you're taking a photo is only going to make that worse you compare that to something like the 1520 or the upcoming uh, 930 or indeed any of the other devices that you know in the case of those new high-end ones they've got a lot more um, you know processor and memory to sort of play with but also they're you know, small images. They're even, you know, on the, the big 50 megapixel images, there's a big difference between that and obviously going up to you know, 41 and even more so when we're just talking about the sort of eight megapixels that you typically get on some of the mid-tier devices. So probably a, a sensible decision, though I suspect some people will be frustrated. If you're, you know, the sort of person who's bought a 1020, you bought it for the camera quality. And I, I suspect some, it's not exactly a gimmick, but you'll be more concerned and you're, be more practiced at taking the perfect photo so the idea of having a bit of extra movement probably uh, isn't going to upset you too much it's you know the sort of people who like the idea of things like vine and instagram where you can have a bit of movement and video in them and yeah i have seen it demoed it is quite effective particularly when you're looking through the gallery but ultimately when it comes down to it, it it is still the still image that's more important than anything else yeah yeah um moving on um Xbox Music, which is something that keeps getting updated every couple of weeks as a new update from the team as they strive to fill the gap that was left by discontinuing the Windows Phone 8 music player, but I think they've more or less managed it now. Uh, the big thing in this update is the fact that they've um, abandoned this uh, attempt to refresh the library when you open the <laughs> open the application to scan all your files and folders for new tracks. It's something the old Symbian app used to do in the Nokia handsets, Rafe. It used to drive me mad. You know, we're refreshing music library. Dot, on Windows Phone, you get these flying dots across the screen. It's now been eliminated they now do that in the background which is a great improvement so there's a minor chance that something you've just added might not show up immediately but on the, on the other flip side of the coin 99 percent of users now get a much faster startup of the application and a much improved experience yeah it's an interesting one i'm always a little bit skeptical about putting things entirely into the background because of course you do get those situations where something goes missing and that's a really frustrating thing uh, to happen but if you think about typical behavior when you're adding music to the phone actually you probably don't do it all that often you you know you swap it out all in one go or you're buying the odd track and of course it when you're buying it on the phone it's actually easier to prompt a, a refresh of the music library or something like that which as i understand it is actually happening with this xbox music update you know if you're downloading from xbox music unlimited or you've got one of those subscriptions so it, it's a case actually a good example of how any smartphone today when you're thinking about system 
how can you do things in a way that trades off you know the absolute perfect way of doing it in terms of getting the information exactly on time versus sort of doing it efficiently you can actually think of examples of this for something like a, a push notification as well it costs more in terms of energy and processing maybe to do that immediately and sometimes those notifications aren't actually that urgent you know if they arrive within a five minute window that might be better which is why in the background a lot of push notifications this applies to all platforms have a certain amount of priority uh, attached to them i haven't seen it used too much but i think it would be a good idea if it was simply because i said that starts to play into being able to batch those sort of things together for data transmission uh, this is, you know, a more obvious example, but uh, the same sort of applies to the, the photo gallery as well. You'll sometimes notice that's an updating in the background as well, uh, and people don't seem to complain too much about that one. So um, I, I suspect there's going to be a few complaints about this one, and some people won't be entirely happy. But uh, you know, when you're uh, designing a smartphone platform like this, especially a core app like Xbox Music, you do kind of need to think about what will keep the largest percentage of users you know, happy and then trade that off a little get against a little bit of disgruntlement from a, a small portion of users versus annoying everyone with the kind of startup performance which I, I haven't come across it so i haven't really noticed it either way but that's partly because i don't keep a great deal of music on my phone i tend to use one of the streaming services to get music onto my phone but uh, good example everyone varies so interesting to see that's changing and fairly major change for something that's sort of well into now Windows Phone 8.1, you know, it's been devices out for a while running that. It's not just developer preview time. Yeah, yeah, it's great to see it decoupled from the main OS as well, oh, so definitely. they can keep pushing out these updates, which is good to see, yeah. Um, now, uh, moving on to application updates that are kind of part of the core platform, but not really, Twitter. Um, Twitter having lain dormant for months after month after months, and people complaining right left and centre that Twitter had completely abandoned Windows Phone. We got an update yesterday, and just to go over some of the changes, some of which I'm not particularly happy with, and some I am, you can now take your, tag your friends in a photo, you can uh, upload multiple photos or presumably link multiple photos to a single tweet. Um, and you can now, and cosmetically, um, Twitter photos, Vine videos, and other uh, selected compatible content now shows up in a preview in the timeline, as it does in many other third-party Twitter clients. You can just scroll up and down, and images and videos that people have posted will actually appear in that timeline. Now, that's kind of good, but they've also added um, the, the ability to reply, retweet, favorite, or follow someone with little icons underneath every single tweet. So if before you could have, I don't know, four or five tweets in your t on the screen at once, it's now, that's now down to about two and a half. What with, what with the, the image previews and all these interactive buttons? And it, with all of this, they haven't done anything whatsoever about the huge waste of space at the top of the Twitter U the UI of Windows Phone. There, there are a couple of square inches where they're not doing anything whatsoever. So I think someone's not quite thinking straight in terms of user interface optimization. Or maybe my pet theory, Rafe, is that they've all got 1520s over at Twitter with six-inch screens and plenty of space, and they're not worrying about the people with the smaller screens. Well, I'm not sure whether that's... Well, yeah, you never know. <laughs> they, they could be uh, fabulous lovers over at, at Twitter. I mean, part of this is also... Twitter has tried to sort of bring all of its mobile apps together in terms of design and also, of course, the website as well. So, for example, those buttons that you refer to underneath all the tweets is something that you'll see in the other mobile apps on iOS and Android yeah. and, of course, on the, the website as well. It, it does bring into this debate about, you know, how much should you customise for each platform? And I think Twitter is particularly relevant because of this information density question you know, power users like to have a lot of information on screen, 
But if you're not following that many people on Twitter, having to scroll a bit more isn't terribly onerous. But I, I'm willing to bet that Steve probably has a few hundred people he's following on Twitter. He's not just following his uh, favourite music celebrities and a, a few sports <laughs> people or something else. I mean, it's kind of nice to see that um, Twitter has actually found delivered an update. And it's particularly important in Windows Phone 8.1 because kind of the role of the People Hub as a aggregation centre for that social data has definitely been de-emphasised. It's still sort of there, but actually Windows Phone now has the sort of frameworks that tie into these social apps and obviously part of the update um, this time around was to to help with that the idea that you can share off things and then get into twitter and then drop into the right section of it and then back out again it's sort of a seamless flow um, you know, rather than having everything happening in the people hub i think in principle i'm in favor of that idea but it is rather dependent on twitter delivering app updates in a, a timely manner the, the trouble with you know, people update, which was a good idea for its time, is it did tend to get a little bit stuck in behind the times. And things like the inline previews for the multimedia are uh, a kind of long overview, uh, overdue rather. And I know in the thinking about the way I use Twitter, actually some of the image content and the video content's important to me because I don't really have time to click on every single one and wait to see the preview. So you know, that's made it a more pleasant experience for me on Windows, Windows Phone. And, uh, unlike Steve, I'm not that upset by the fact I can't see more than about two and a half tweets on, on the screen at <laughs> one time. A little bit of extra scrolling doesn't seem to hurt me too much. And, you yeah, know, I'm actually, third-party clients yeah. if you want to check them out. Yeah, I'm actually looking at the new Twitter client on the 1520 with a six-inch screen at 1080p screen, and I can still only see just over three tweets with no preview, just three textual tweets, plus their icons, plus all the waste of space and the controls at the top of the screen, plus the toolbar at the bottom. I can see three tweets on a six-inch screen, and I'm, I'm sorry, it's all very pretty and it's very swish. But I, I, I would have a serious word with the guys at Twitter and say, come on, at least open up some of that top inch and, and you know, reduce the size of your main tabs. At least do that. Yeah. Now, you're talking about the 1520 there, which I assume you're running Windows Phone 8.1 on. Yeah. Now, the, the first time around, we know there were a number of tweaks made to the 1520 in order to take advantage of that bigger screen. And actually, obviously, it's the tweaks within the, the platform, not in the device itself. And it will also apply to devices like the 1320, which have a, a similarly big screen. Have you noticed, has anything stood out in Windows Phone 8.1 as being also tweaked compared to the standard win Windows Phone 8.1 resolution, which you get on something like the, the 925 or the 1020? Yeah, yes. For the 8.1, for the, the higher resolution, larger screens, they've actually presumably scaled the UI controls. The main thing is that the bottom toolbar is slimmer. And I noticed that some of the fonts and some of the headings, the metro, if I'm allowed to use that term still, the metro headings are smaller. So, But if you add those two together, you actually get quite a bit more space. And, I, and I, this is a very slinky link into an article I wrote about a week ago now up on the site. We'll link in the show notes to all these bits and pieces where I compared side by side. Uh, I was looking specifically at Windows Phone 8 to Windows Phone 8.1. Um, so in other words, taking your original screenshots from the 1520 back in November 2013 and comparing with the same apps, the same screens under Windows, the latest build of Windows Phone 8.1 and quite a dramatic difference. I mean, the, the Office Hub example I showed in the, the article is, is really testament to that, a massive amount more information and just shows how much space was wasted in the original <laughs> adaptation of Windows Phone 8 to the, the big 1520 screen. If you compare the 8.1 on the 1020s to the the 1520 there is still much better use of space so there's definitely some intelligence there in the underlying ui and the operating system in recognizing the resolution and the size of the 
uh, display it's driving and do something sensible with that. Maybe it uh, triggers off model name, maybe it triggers off resolution, I don't know. But uh, there is some intelligence there. And I'm, I have to say that I, I put, put up a kind of a long-term review of my, the 1520 with 8.1 in place now. Um, this morning, as we record this podcast, it's about 2,500 words, of which 500 were quoted from Rafe, so I can't really claim credit for those. Uh, but the, the overall experience with 8.1 on the 1520 is pretty nice, nice experience. Um, I would put it up against most of the other fablets around the world, things like the Galaxy Note 3. I would say it's very competitive with the only possible caveats might be some of the usual bugbears about specific applications not being available for Windows Phone or being abandoned or Google services, all the usual things, criticisms, which are all very valid. Um, but if you discard those, just the, the raw hardware, the interface, the speed, the applications that are there, it all runs very, very smoothly. And the 1520, if you can find a space for it in your pocket or man bag or whatever, I, I would contend it's still very much a contender. And arguably even more desirable than 930, which I know is probably sacrilege, but given that the 1520 is uh, now, what, £350 SIM-free. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. In some ways, I think it's the best Windows phone device you know that you can buy at the moment especially when you factor in the kind of the value for money factor the trouble is of course with the size that it is it's not going to be for everybody and you know, I, I can't really count the size against it as a negative factor when sort of you know trying to decide what's the best windows phone device because it, it's just a device that sits in that category I, I just find the design just maybe a little bit more attractive i'm yet to be convinced by the 930 design maybe when i've used one for a while uh, i'll like it a bit more but also, as you say, some of the tweaks that come in and, you know, in terms of hardware, we said, oh, at least I said when the 1520 was running Windows Phone at 8.0, when it just came out, I thought it was some of the best fab- fablet hardware on the market. The combination of you know, this really fantastic screen, you know, a very good camera and just a very sleek overall design. It kind of put to shame some of the other fablets out there which felt a bit plasticky or had some funny material choices or maybe a weak camera whatever it happened to be you you can make some claims for a device like the uh sony uh i think the ultra device you know the very big uh ultra yeah Yeah. which is a really interesting design in some senses but probably going a bit too far um with 8.1 i think the software gap is narrowed because there are some as we've talked about in the past, some really important things in 8.1. And it's things like notifications, which become almost more important on the bigger screen device. You do have to mark it down because it doesn't have very much in the way of customization. So it doesn't have the ability to display two things side by side. There are some apps that start to explore that opportunity, but it's done very early on. And to kind of answer Steve's question, it's not really looking for a particular device model it's actually looking at a combination of the physical screen size and the resolution and based on that it will decide to display things one way or another but what as steve says is interesting is that we saw some customization in 8.0 there's some more customization in 8.1 and so it's taking better advantage of that really big screen there's still plenty of room for improvement Uh, i I think you know there's some more tweaks that could be done and as you said then does come back to the you know the old app debate Uh, that's going to be very dependent on the user uh, a bit subjective i think people who sort of say that uh, windows phone 8.1 is a long way behind probably haven't tried it recently enough to really form an opinion on it Uh, I, i think you can of course have an opinion more than one way and having used all the other platforms i think it's going to be interesting with android l and ios 8 on the way windows phone may slip back a bit then but as, as things are right now it's in a pretty competitive place and i think the interesting thing for me at least is that the gap 
between all the platforms has sort of narrowed at least in terms of the core functionality the way they approach things you know kind of the concept around some of the interface design and some of the conceptual way they do things if anything is is growing wider and windows phone is interestingly maybe somewhere in the middle you've got the android world which is perhaps you know becoming sort of more cloud dominated or at least you know it's a marrying of web and smartphone in a way that i don't think the apple devices are which does still emphasize the kind of the idea of a very app-centric world or at least a very smartphone device-centric world. I, mean, I think Google, because obviously it's got such massive investments in web services and cloud services, it starts to move things more that way. And of course, Microsoft is somewhere in between the two. It does have big investments in uh, cloud services and you do get a lot of that in the Windows Phone device now and you look at the integration for things like OneDrive, but also some of the things on the, the back end. But there's also still a big emphasis on apps, both from Microsoft and, of course, the way it talks to developers and some of the APIs it's providing. Uh, it's something I want to sort of draw out more in a future editorial and talk about perhaps in a future podcast. But it's going to be something that sort of changes the debate somewhat because a lot of the core functionality is now there. You, know, you give one of these devices you know, from each platform to any user and the chances are they'll be able to do 95% of what they want to on the device, regardless of which one they have. But it then becomes about the choice of which ecosystem you're in. You know, have you invested in the Android or the Google ecosystem, Microsoft or Apple, which I think is still by far and away the biggest factor. But just starting to come in is the idea of which way do you prefer doing things. And so, for example, if you're the type of, using, you know, you're in the countryside, you don't always have good connectivity. Android might not be the best choice for you. Um, Apple might be a better choice. And of course, Apple's at the moment at the high end. Windows Phone offers a, a broader range, so Windows Phone might be a better choice. But I mean, all of the platforms go a little bit dead if you take away their connectivity. But I think Android's perhaps more dependent on that than others. It, and of course, it depends on how you're, you're using the phone, what parts you are. But really interesting to see whether other people uh, think that. So, you know, send in your feedback through the usual channels. Be really interested to see if anyone else is kind of picking up on that and you know, where you think Windows Phone fits into that. Yeah, absolutely. And before we finish the podcast, I want to, as we often do, just to mention a couple of applications that are either new or have caught our eye. Um, I'll go first, and I'm going to pick Full Blend HDR, which we have looked at in several terms in terms of review and uh, flow updates on the site. I, I'm often struck by the fact that the other platforms, especially the higher-end Android devices that, um, have and the iPhone, have HDR built into the chipsets, and I'm really jealous they can take a high dynamic range photograph, you know, three bracketed shots in the blink of an eye. And now, obviously, the, the Windows Phone hardware can't do that, certainly with the, the, the big PureView cameras and things like the 1020 and the 1520. So you basically have to find a tripod or a steady wall and allow for the fact that the bracketed shots will take a half a second or so between, between shots, or in the 1020's case, three or four seconds. But uh, for Blend HDR, does a really good job. There's all sorts of um, pre pre-capture filters and also post uh, post-capture filters now it can apply so you can get some dramatic effects not just you know the typical retro i took this shot in the 1950s but some really shots which emphasize the colors emphasize the lights and produce something really quite remarkable so full blend hdr go and look at it in the windows phone store highly highly worth picking up but do make sure you've got a tripod to hand as well because that makes all the differences our our good friend david gilson found when he did a, an hdr app review without a tripod and had all manner of difficulties <laughs> So, and these days, Rafe, you can get a tripod for about ten, fifteen pounds in your local mobile accessories shop. So, it's a, a definite investment there. I think. 
yeah, if you're doing that kind of thing, it, it makes sense. And to be honest, even if you're using HDR when it's fully built into the camera, it still makes sense because uh, yeah, there are multiple shots being taken in most instances, unless it's a kind of different fake HDR, in which case it's not really the real thing, but uh, <laughs> that's probably getting off topic. Uh, at Pix, it's kind of hard for me to pick out one. I was thinking about doing BBC um, iPlayer Radio, but actually I was like Steve, he wrote this up on the site and we'll link to it in the show notes. A bit disappointing. I'll still recommend Radio Player over that. Another one that caught my eye was uh, Adobe Photoshop Express. We've got quite a few ways of editing photos on Windows Phone, but it's good to see this kind of uh, big name app. It's a, it, it's going to be due for a while and it still doesn't match up to its sort of sister app on iOS and Android. Let's hope it sort of improves over time. But if you're you know, wanting to do a bit of basic image photo editing, it, it's worth checking out. There's also Barclays Ping It. That's a kind of another uh, banking app, but for actually sending mobile payments using your phone number in the UK has just arrived. But I was going to pick one that has just arrived uh, today, and I'm just scrolling down my app list to find make sure I get the name right. And this is from Microsoft. I suspect it's out of the same uh, Lund imaging team that was uh, part of Nokia. And that's Video Tuner. This is another Windows Phone 8.1 video editor. This one's actually pretty sophisticated in what it can do. You can uh, change the speed of the video. You can add uh, filters, which probably will have Steve shuddering in horror. Uh, <laughs> you can add music. You can change the kind of the aspect ratio, so you can change it to one to one in preparation for uploading it to a service like Vine or Instagram, which is kind of ironic given the uh, official Instagram app still doesn't actually support video. But there's quite a lot you can do to it. And of course, there's all the trimming and the cropping and other bits of editing. But it's been put together pretty nicely. And in terms of, you know, taking a video that you capture on your phone, sort of doing things to it to get it ready to then upload it to YouTube or another video service. You can now do quite a bit more, and it's probably the most sophisticated video editor now available on the Windows Phone platform. And for people who are just looking to do basic edits, you know, you're not going to get the full experience, of course. Uh, this is now going to be good enough, I would say, for 95% of, of use cases. And of course, as a, a Microsoft product, it's going to be you know, well supported. It's going to be updated. And so far, for me at least, the performance has been very good. I only downloaded it this afternoon, had a quick go with it from some holiday videos. <laughs> But uh, you know, I was I was pleased, and it's interesting. The the actual interface is kind of a real departure. It's not really done in what feels like a particularly standard Windows Phone world. It owes a lot more to kind of the desktop video editors with kind of controls running along the bottom, and then of course the video playing back. But in this instance, it's probably one of the times when they made the right decision because it's a very specific task and you're carrying it out just as if you were on a computer. It's not something you're going to play around with for 30 seconds. You probably want to get your video just right before you uh, share it up to social media or send it in an email to someone. Um, and I like the fact, you know, you could save it at kind of different qualities as well. And so, you know, obviously video on a, a smartphone, always a bit of a problem doing something with that because the files are so large. And a lot of the time you actually don't need to share the full resolution video if you're just doing something up onto social media or onto Instagram or somewhere like that. So uh, well worth the look and it's available uh, now. It's free to download it from the Windows Phone Store. 
And there's certainly no shortage in video editing software for Windows That's Phone right. 8.1. I can only assume that the, the APIs and the, the Nokia imaging SDK must be so easy to use that all these, these developers are able to strike up, including Microsoft themselves here, with really very decent options. There's a Movie Maker, there's Movie Moments also from Microsoft. There's Movie Jacks, which is a very intuitive interface. I looked at, did a review on that on the, on the site a week or so ago. Plus a Video Editor 8.1, which I think was the first of the breed, but there's certainly no shortage of choice so you try them all you find the one whose interface you like the best and, and you go with that but uh, all highly recommended yeah um, we are kind of out of time rave uh, we like to keep it short and sweet at about just over the half an hour mark so i think we'll we'll make a commitment that we'll definitely definitely get one out next week <laughs> and not we, miss a week again we, is that right we, we certainly will there's actually quite a few other apps we could talk about that have been sort of coming out and we'll hopefully be talk, able to talk about the 930 in a bit more more detail but if not i know steve's got various uh that he's planning and we also do want to revisit the thick 30 and just try and talk a little bit about 8.1 uh maybe go through some of the features ahead of the sort of rollout of all those updates for the existing devices but uh, i think it only remains to me to say thank you to everybody for listening and to hand over to steve to say goodbye to everybody well, that doesn't sound too, too difficult a task. <laughs> Catch us all about windowsphone.com. All your feedback is welcomed. Just leave a comment on the podcast story and we'll get back to you and uh, incorporate your feedback. Uh, but for now, goodbye.